Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Bay Presbyterian Church. It's good to see all of you who are here in person. I think I've got everybody back there. Good to see all of you. Welcome, welcome. And uh, also welcome to those of you who are joining us online by means of our website and uh, webcast uh, through Sermon Audio. Please uh, don't ever hesitate to get in touch with us if uh, you perceive there's some way that we can be of help or any way that we can be in prayer for you. And, of course, that means all of you. And uh, you can let us know that either by speaking to me in person after the service or by using one of the welcome cards that you'll find in a, a little rack there on the back of a chair near you. You should be able to have access to one of those to let us know you're visiting with us today or to share a prayer request, whatever the need may be. It's a good way to communicate and hope that you'll take advantage of that. But please know that you're welcome very quickly because we have a special guest with us here that I'll share more about in just a few moments. But just reminding the choir about rehearsals this week on uh, Tuesday at 6 and then also next Sunday at 445. Is that correct? All right. 1645, as somebody taught me years ago to say. PM. All right. Choir rehearsal. Also remember, ladies, uh, Bible study. You're continuing your study in the book of Ruth on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock. All ladies are invited to that. And then everybody's invited to our study on Thursday evening of Ecclesiastes, which has really been wonderful. And I want to encourage you, if you've been coming, keep coming. If you haven't been here yet, you can benefit greatly by being here at 6.30 on Thursday evening. Uh, let's see. Remember our Sunday evening services? They will continue even tonight. I uh, heard there's something on TV. I can't remember what that is. But anyway, it's insignificant, unimportant. Uh, you know, I heard Taylor Swift might be here tonight, so <laughs> just saying, that's, that's a rumor I heard. Anyway, I wasn't expecting that much laughter. We have somebody much more important than Taylor Swift. Dr. Greg Poland will be here tonight, and uh, we just want you to know that. Enjoy that. It may be the only time it ever happens. But that's this evening at 6 o'clock as we continue in our series on uh, Christ in the Old Testament, and I know that you will be blessed. The other thing, you can record. Watch that later. Please uh, just note the things that are coming up this Friday, for example. We have a special guest who will be here, and uh, speaking of that, I think I might just ask Rachel to come up and offer some thoughts and information regarding that. Come on up here. Good morning. Um, we just wanted to remind you today about this upcoming Friday. We will be having a special guest. Uh, his name is Benjamin Mast. He is the department head of the Department of Psychological and Brain Sciences at the University of Louisville. He will be discussing the topic of Alzheimer's with us. Um, and this is becoming more and more of a concern to many. In 2020, there was an estimated 5.8 million Americans that were aged 65 and older who had um, contracted this Alzheimer's disease. And this number is projected to nearly triple to 14 million uh, by 2060. So this is a disease that will affect each and every single one of our lives, whether it's a family member, a friend, or it could even be our own lives. Um, and Benjamin Mast, one of the unique things that he will bring to this discussion is the fact that he will not only 
uh, be approaching it from a scientific perspective, but he will also be approaching it from a gospel-centered perspective. Uh, he wrote a book called um, Second Forgetting, and one aspect of that is that we often, even as caregivers, uh, forget that we are children of God. And he wants to make sure that we are incorporating that into our care for others. Many times, even though somebody has Alzheimer's and they lose their memory, they still have a sense of God's presence and his reality. Um, so we do encourage you to please join us at 2 p.m. on Friday. We are looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And then, of course, uh, just two days after that, on Sunday, the 18th, Next week, Marty Getz will be here, and we look forward to him leading us in worship. Remember, there will be no Sunday school next week. Just for those of you who make that a part of your regular Sunday with that busy day, we will not have Sunday school next week. And then the following uh, Thursday, the 22nd, our Expositors Conference. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor John Anderson to come and tell us more about that. Okay. Good morning. Um, yeah, very excited about the Expositors Conference this year. Um, uh, Todd, oh gosh, can't read this thing. Oh, Todd Rester and Pete Lilback will be our speakers coming from Philadelphia, Westminster Theological Seminary, talking about what theologians refer to as the cultural mandate. God gave three uh, important directives uh, at the time of creation. He said, be fruitful and multiply, uh, fill the earth. He said, um, tend the garden, and he also said subdue the earth. And those three things play out throughout history, and uh, we'll have an opportunity to hear them unfold what that might mean for each one of us. And that'll be Thursday, the 22nd. We are going to be giving you lunch if you register ahead of time. So if you, if you want to come, there's a place to fill out on the bottom of the sheet. If you've already handed one in, don't do it again. I already got it. But uh, on the bottom, just fill out name and contact information, and uh, we'll put you on the list and get you ready to go for the 22nd. It starts at 10 in the morning. It'll be done by 3. Thank you. That will be really good. And uh, if you need one of these, they are available right there at the door as you come in. We are so happy today to have Nicole Shanks with us, the director of the Pregnancy Resource Center right here in southwest Florida. Nicole, welcome. We feel like you're part of the family, so please share with us. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here. It's always such an honor and a privilege to speak on behalf of the unborn. And this church was the very first church that I spoke at uh, when I moved here two and a half years ago to be the executive director. So a special place in my heart. John Anderson uh, was on the board at that time. But your church played such a pivotal role in saving lives at the Pregnancy Resource Center. I don't know if you And we were able to get a nurse chat widget on our website. And what that means is that when women, after hours, actually it's 24-7, when they are thinking about having an abortion and they Google and they find our website and they can talk to a nurse right away and schedule an appointment, uh, it's a huge impact. So the first three days that we had our nurse widget on our website, three people signed up for an appointment and there was already one saved baby. So thank you, thank you. Center, our mission is to prevent abortion and
care just as much about saving babies as we do saving souls because we know that when they walk through our doors in a crisis with an unplanned pregnancy, we, we of course want to save that baby, but we also offer her the opportunity to enroll in our Next Steps program. And that is where lives are truly transformed because we give them the opportunity, we share Christ with almost 99.9% .9 of the, the people that walk through the door with their permission. Uh, but we know that once they accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we want to disciple them. And so we ask them, would you like to enroll in our Next Steps program and meet with a volunteer advocate? They will come in every single week then and meet with a God-fearing woman or man that then pours into their life. And you hopefully will change the trajectory of not only her life, but that family's life and then generation after generation. And so the last two months, I am so proud to announce to you that we had the biggest, most impactful two months that we have had since I have been here. There were 19 saved babies in December and 26 in January. Is that amazing? We have two, two medical clinics, one on the corner of Collier Boulevard and Immokalee and another one up in Fort Myers. And we are filled with a medical staff. And when these women walk through our doors with an unplanned pregnancy, we are able to speak truth to her and share with her and show her up on a big screen her baby with that ultrasound. And many of them will choose life. And then she's able to move over to next steps. So we solved or, or we're getting more and more women walking through our doors. But then what we do is we give them an opportunity to earn everything that they need for that baby. And so out there, outside, you might have seen me as you walked in, but we have a flyer here and it allows you just to click on an Amazon registry and it'll send a pack of diapers, a pack of wipes, because what seems like a molehill to us to overcome for them to choose life seems like a mountain for them. The other day I was with one of our moms and she said, I, I'm, I'm gonna terminate this pregnancy. I'm not gonna continue. And so as we dug a little deeper and we said, why do you feel like you have to this pregnancy. She already had four kids. And she says, I can't afford one more baby. I can't afford to take eight weeks off and be at home with my baby for those eight weeks and pay my utilities and pay my rent. That seems like a molehill to us, right? For her, it was a mountain of why she was going to terminate her pregnancy. And so we just speak truth. We speak life into them and truly help save these babies. If you are at all interested, we have something called Explore PRC. And I have a sign up out there. This is an opportunity to come and just learn a little bit more about how you can make a small or a large difference in these women's lives. And we do a tour, and we also just share a little more in depth about the difference that you can make at the Pregnancy Resource Center. So thank you so much. Did I go longer than five, Pastor? I'm good? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, last year, Pastor John says, how many professions of faith last year? Last year, there were 91 men and women that made professions of faith. And 167 babies were saved last year alone. So thank you, thank you for the important role that you play. Tell you what, join with me and let's all pray for this vital ministry. And thank you, that was wonderful news and thank you for all the work you and the others are doing there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do rejoice and give thanks at uh, hearing of how lives are being saved and how you are saving souls. And we are grateful for the instrument in your hand, which is the PRC in Southwest Florida.
Please bless Nicole and all of her team together, Lord, that they may continue to be used of you to accomplish things far and beyond all that we could ask or think. We ask your blessing upon them. And uh, Lord, bless Nicole and her husband as he battles cancer. We pray that not only would he be in remission, but you would grant healing so that he will be cancer-free. We ask in Jesus' name. Isn't that wonderful? I said, I'll shorten my sermon to be a devotion leaf today, just to, get to, just to get to hear that kind of thing. That is great news. So let's uh, take this opportunity as we are gathered here in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to prepare to worship the Lord our God. turn with me to the inside cover of your bulletin for our call to worship. This morning we're reading selections from the Psalms 29, 92, and 118. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. To declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. And so as we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's stand to our feet and sing the God of Abraham praise. Thank you. 
Super Bowl will be nothing compared to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather in your presence with hearts lifted high up to you, acknowledging the supremacy of Christ our Lord and Savior. In him were all things created. Through him do all things hold together. He is before all things, and in him we have found our own purpose and our joy. As we come together to worship, we desire to have our souls be attuned to your voice, our wills aligned with your commands, and our spirits filled with your love. May our worship be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord. Guide us, Lord, by your spirit to exalt Christ in every word sung, every prayer uttered, and every scripture read. May your word dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing us in all wisdom, and let everything we do in word or deed be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, hear now the corporate prayer of your people praying as you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. 
This is the reading of the word of God, Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in which I created. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. We'll continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings if the ushers would come forward. I don't want it to pass by anybody given the series that we're doing Uh, this evening, but you just heard Isaiah 65, a perfect prophetic utterance of what would then be in Revelation 22, the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, from your boundless generosity, we receive every good and perfect gift with hearts overflowing with gratitude, we bring our tithes and our offerings to you. Lord, these are but a humble reflection of the immense and unmerited grace we have been shown by you. In this act of giving, we acknowledge your sovereignty over all creation and our role as stewards of your manifold blessings. We pray, O Lord, that you would bless and multiply these offerings. Lord, we just heard the news of how these have saved lives here in our own backyard. Use them, Lord, to further your kingdom, to bring hope to the brokenhearted, and to extend your love to all the corners of the earth. May our giving echo the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Savior, through whom we have been given eternal life. In his powerful name we pray. Amen. Choir, please come forward and lead the worship.
sing hallelujah. When I was uh, putting together this morning the music that had been picked several weeks ago, I discovered that we have quite an eclectic uh, approach to the music this morning, and God just uh, allowed that to happen. Our first uh, piece of music that we sang today was The God of Abraham Praise. That is an ancient hymn, probably one of the oldest hymns that we still sing from the Jewish doxology. And uh, the, the, the second one, this one, is a, an old classic. And that middle section is very 16th century, all in praise of God. And this one is a more contemporary, the one we're going to do now, a more contemporary song of praise. So, would you take your sheet, and you can even look on the screens. We're going to do a little choir practice. It's been a while. I think you remember it. Choir's gonna help you do that choir practice because they're pretty good at choir practice. Let's do this. Just uh, the, the first section, uh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Let's sing together. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord a side too. All right, the next section is um, uh, For God is Great. For God is great and greatly to be praised. For God is great and greatly to be praised. Now in case you didn't know, the X's meant that you clapped and the, uh, the line meant that you put your hands up like this. So you got to be hands free. You like when you drive you got to be hands-free here so you can worship. For God is great, everybody. For God is great, and greatly to be praised. For God is great, and greatly to be praised. Okay, great. Now, there's another little section, too. It's called the ending. And we'll do this several times, but the, the ending goes like this. So let's take that last paragraph. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord of the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord of the earth. Hey! And you got to put the hay in there right, okay? You got to put the hay in there. Would you stand to your feet, please? Let's worship God. We've had our choir practice. Let's slow it way down.
Tell Marty we're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indeed. As we go to the Lord in prayer, take advantage of those prayer sheets there in your, uh, your bulletin, your worship folder. And uh, I know that there are a lot of things besides that we want to mention. I know uh, Kathy and I are praying for a couple of ladies that uh, we have gotten to know, Jean and Faye, who have had some medical issues. I know that uh, we all know a lot of people who have a lot of needs. God's grace is sufficient. So let's be confident in that as we go before him in prayer. Feel free to pray silently for a few of those needs, and then we'll continue to pray as I lead us. Let's bow together and pray. Oh, gracious God, our Father in heaven, how great you are and how greatly you are to be praised. And what a privilege it is to be counted as your children, wherein, through faith in Jesus, we offer you our worship and find it acceptable, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so it's in his name that we come before you and acknowledge sin and guilt, giving thanks for forgiveness and justification. Father, we pray that you please will bless the many who have needs Please, Lord, provide for our congregation as we lift them up to you and pray for families and individuals, for ministries, for sister churches, for our military, those serving us as first responders at home, for so many, Lord, who are sacrificing much in your name and out of love for neighbors, including the PRC. Father, we pray that you will bless us, that we may increasingly be instruments in your hands to effect good in this world, praying that as we worship you here, we may go forth from this place and all of us in our own way and according to the ways that you gifted us and in the locations you have placed us, that we will be salt and light and the name of Jesus will be known because of what happens here at Bay Presbyterian Church. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 11. Some of you may have heard last week during the 11 o'clock service, I had a little episode up here. and I just, uh, I said it was kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. I choked. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but something just happened and there, there I was. And if you're Dallas fans, I'm sorry. That was just what came to mind. And... <laughs> But I want you to know I've got cough drops up here galore. I've got water. And, uh, you know, we've got the AED back there. There's a doctor sitting right here. So I'm not worried. But, man, it sure wasn't fun to be a spectacle like that. By the way, we had a wonderful men's breakfast yesterday. I see Bob there uh, continuing on in Lars's footsteps. Man, I uh, wondered if I was... Should have eaten supper last night. We got filled up so much yesterday. That was just a wonderful, 
thing. So, Bob, thank you for that. And praying that the Lord will grant to us the ability to feast on his word, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 37 through 44. In this journey through the gospel according to Luke, remembering what good news we have. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. May the Lord bless this reading of his word as we give him praise for it. Amen. And so we know from Scripture that the Lord is much more concerned with the inner man than the outer. I was thinking of that this morning as I was putting my necktie on and wondering again, why did people invent this thing that my great-grandfather called a chope strop? I have no argument against looking nice as we come together to worship. But I wonder how many of us pay far more attention to the way that we appear than to what we actually are. The Lord Jesus reserves his strongest language for the religious. Now, it's easy for us, and we've joked about it here today as we've talked about the Super Bowl, and it doesn't have to be that, right? It could be any form of entertainment. It could be any form of distraction. You know, heaven knows I, I don't have any desire to criticize anything like that, like golf or tennis or pickleball or all of those things that can come between us and the Lord, maybe a book that we're reading. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves that I've mentioned so far as I know, but, but our passions can often lie more with those things than they do with the Lord. Recreation, after all, is a wonderful gift. I, I know that. And, you know, it's easy for me to pick on golfers because I'm no good at it. <laughs> but I don't want people picking on the things that I'm good at and I enjoy. You know, that's the way it works, isn't it? It's easy to get on to the other fellow. Uh, Gordon Reed used to say he had read through the Bible and he didn't see anything about golf in there, but he saw a lot about fishing. And uh, Harry Reader spoke up and he said, oh, no, the Apostle Paul said very clearly, I have finished the course. <laughs> so you see, we can pick on each other all day long. But the point is we become so fascinated and so enthralled with outward things that we forget the more important things. And so... There's something here in this passage that uh, draws my attention. It is this, that a Pharisee asked Jesus to dine with him, and Jesus went. Now, you might think if the Lord Jesus had so much to say that was critical of the Pharisees, why would he go dine with them? But we see the Lord Jesus associating with all kinds of people, uh, not only the sinners and the tax collectors, but even also the religious people. 
and those that he would ultimately be critical of. So we have to be careful, knowing that it's far easier to point fingers at those elsewhere and talk about their grievous sins. It's much more difficult to look in the mirror and say, ah, there's plenty right here to occupy, occupy my time and attention as we know what's on our hearts. He goes, he dines, knowing that's significant. To share a meal with somebody in that time and in that culture was important. It, it meant a deep sense of association with them. Now, we might just happen to sit down with somebody and eat with them and think of it as no big deal. But in that culture, that was a big deal that Jesus went. But Jesus went knowing not only what was being said, but, of course, we know from elsewhere that he knew the very thoughts of those that he associated with. Verse 38 is telling that the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Now, growing up in my household, you washed before you ate. But the Pharisee is not concerned about Jesus' hygiene. If we look at it in that way, we miss the whole point. It's not that Jesus failed to wash dirty hands. It's that he did not observe the ceremonial washings that the Pharisees practiced. Not things that were spelled out in Scripture, but things that had been added to Scripture. They were so intent on this that their legal rule even stipulated the way in which the hands were to be rinsed. And you had to be very careful when you were rinsing your hands, lest the water that you were using would, would uh, run up the hand and pass the wrist and contaminate the rest of the person ceremonially. They, they really were into this. And they had developed a very intricate instruction on the way that you were to wash and it was all about this ceremonial observance it wasn't about washing hands because you'd been petting the donkey on the way in he was astonished that the Lord had not washed you know what he should have been astonished at was the fact that Jesus had actually come to eat with him aren't you astonished I mean the more that we learn about ourselves and the more that grace exposes the, the old nature that Jesus would associate with us. Jesus speaks of uh, those who are fools. Talking about the Pharisees who cleanse the outside of the cup and pay no heed to the inside. You fools. Now, it's one thing for us to hear that spoken of in our culture or by neighbors, but this is from the Lord Jesus. So what we learn from all of this as we distill it is simply this. Fools focus on visible external appearances and ignore inward invisible realities we deal with the outward because it's easier we see it we discern it we know it we don't want to deal with the inward invisible things that's too difficult what we see also is that many who want to associate with jesus are more concerned about evaluating him than learning from him our culture is very much into this in a culture that uh, you know has rejected notions of being religious practice religion very intently and everything is under the under the glass to be examined including Jesus it reminds me how that years ago there was a woman speaking at a gathering it was a temperance meeting now, many people don't even remember what those are what temperance what does that mean remember those were the days when there was a great campaign against drinking alcohol in any form and in any way and a woman was up, and she was blaming everything bad that had ever happened on the use of alcoholic beverages. And there was a college student in the room that raised his hand at one point and said, well, isn't it true that Jesus turned water into wine? 
And the woman stepped back and she said, yes, it's true. And we'd have thought a lot more of him if he hadn't have done that too. <laughs> you know, we can box ourselves into these legalistic traps, can't we? And yet, that's just what our culture is doing today. We don't like the fact that Jesus spoke about marriage, that a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and those two shall be one flesh. He shouldn't have said that, say many of our intellectual elites. We're more interested in evaluating him than learning from him. And that can be true in the church as well. Yes, indeed, that Pharisee should have been more astonished that Jesus was actually willing to associate with him than, than he was astonished at Jesus' washing habits or that he didn't submit to these man-made regulations. Now, Jesus... Jesus did not fail to observe something that God had placed in Scripture. What he did not observe were the things that had been added to Scripture by these religious elites. We also see that religious knowledge, even an impressive knowledge, is not the same as knowing God. These who had huge amounts of Scripture, if not all of the Old Testament memorized in cases who knew the other things that had been added to them in great detail, yet all of that knowledge combined does not equate with actually knowing God. And so we have to be very careful because it is a truth that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Knowledge is not wrong and we all need to be learning. A true faith will be a learning faith, a growing faith, a, a faith that's based on real knowledge. But we cannot and must not allow ourselves to be proud of what we think we know, lest we fall. Further on, as we continue to consider this, as Jesus speaks and compares those who observe religion in such a way as a cup that's been washed on the outside but remains filthy on the inside, you know, what's the purpose of that? What good is that? We... Uh, we see that he speaks directly to it. You know, give us alms, those things that are within. Don't, don't be concerned about tithing the little herbs that you have. Again, not stipulated in Scripture. There was a major focus in Scripture on tithing, of course, in the Old Testament. And it was, it was the major things, the grains, um, wine, for example, oil, livestock, major components. But but they were so intent on making sure that they observed those big things that they made up further rules to say, we were going to, you know, tithe out from our little herb crops. And they did it because they were interested in being recognized for what they were doing. I think there's a helpful quote from Augustine of Hippo, otherwise known as St. Augustine. That's a meditation in your bulletin. It is not the being seen of men that is wrong, but doing things for the purpose of being seen of men. The problem with the hypocrite is his motivation. He does not want to be holy. He only wants to seem to be holy, for he is more concerned with his reputation for righteousness than about actually becoming righteous. The approbation of men matters more to him than the approval of and there we begin to get to the crux of the matter, more interested in the approbation of men than of pleasing God. So these religious performers seek recognition but neglect the major things of justice and love, 
there's a tendency to focus on the things that we can do rather than on the things that are actually required. We all have this tendency, and we all need to be on guard against it. Like I say, it's, it's easy for me to be critical of people who do things that I don't like, you know? Don't we all do that? And yet, not be aware of things that actually are of greater concern, that are a greater transgression. And what we quickly see as Jesus winds out this passage is that recognition, and let's understand when he talks about greeting or being greeted in the marketplace, he's not, he's not critical of people who are being friendly. Hi, how are you doing? He's talking about the way of the greeting. They, they loved it when people would, would heap upon them accolades, perhaps use their religious title or speak of them in a way that really you know, announce their resume every time they showed up on the scene. It wasn't just a matter of being friendly. It was a matter of wanting to be acknowledged for all of the things done. I, I remember at one meeting that I, was, uh, that I was at, and this is not to be critical of anyone. I'm, I'm grateful that people have earned titles, and I admire that and respect it. But I remember being at a meeting, and I was introduced to someone, and I said, well, hello, Mr. So-and-so. And he quickly corrected me and said, oh, it's doctor. Now, again, I'm not being critical. I could have picked on any segment of the population. It just happened to be the case in that moment. Later on, I met an individual who was introduced to me as Dr. So-and-so and talked about all of the educational attainments he had. And I was shaking his hand, and I said, Hello, Dr. So-and-so. And he said, and I'll just use a general name. My name is John. Not this one. He said, call me John. Call me by my first name. Didn't care about that at all. And that was a lesson to me. I thought, you know, it's, it's good to be able to attain titles and to have those things recognized. But far better to be humble, be known as a servant of the Lord. And I'm grateful that our folks are who have achieved wonderful things in a great many settings. But we all have to be careful. That may not be a temptation to us, but we still in some way, because of our sin nature, want that recognition. And I'm telling you right now, it is exceedingly dangerous. Maybe I overstated the case, but recognition and praise are as dangerous as explosives. It must be handled with care. It's been the downfall of many a person who's been set up on that pedestal and recognized so fiercely, only to disappoint in the end. He has told you, O man, in Micah 6, 8, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Becoming so focused on observing religious details that we lose sight of the big picture and fail to do the things that we really ought to do. So give of those things from the inside. Don't do it out of recognition, but do it because we love the Lord. And we have a love for him in our hearts. When we do something outwardly, it ought to be an overflow of that inward devotion. But he warns, woe to you, Pharisees. And Jesus warns these religious leaders. He speaks in such strong language. But we need to know that by warning and by exposing, he's preaching grace. 
by calling them out, even by calling them fools, and by using a strong word like woe, and by exposing their dead religion. He's preaching grace. How thankful are many of us when we've been warned of danger at any given point in our lives? How thankful can we be that somebody showed up and said, hey, don't, don't go in there, like a cousin of mine did one once when I was headed into the tool shed to get something that I thought I needed. He said, hey, don't go in there. There's a hornet's nest over the door. And he showed me his arm with some stings on it. You know, I was grateful for that. Because cousins, being what they are, he could have said, yeah, head on in there. It's in the back corner. <laughs> now, there were other times that happened. But on this particular occasion, there was a warning. I'm thankful for that. So Jesus, by issuing this or using this strong language, is demonstrating grace. Stern pronouncements and warnings grounded in truth can produce corrective action. Because remember, our, our context here is that Jesus has said that the sign of Jonah would be the sign that's given. And Jonah, of course, went to Nineveh and proclaimed judgment. You know, he told them, you're going to be overturned. You're doomed. But God used that warning, that pronouncement of judgment, as a means of transforming that entire city. And people turned in repentance and sackcloth and ashes in humility to God. And there was a great revival. By pointing to Jonah, Jesus shows that warnings of judgment can bring salvation. So by failing to warn and by failing to speak of judgment, we're failing to utilize one of the tools that God has given us, a means by which he transforms and changes people. Now, some people are not changed by that. Some people are transformed when they hear the love of God pronounced. And Jesus, of course, does that too. But warning is essential. The people of Nineveh marked the way of people who repented. Not these Pharisees who pretended, who gave all the appearance of being right with God and yet inwardly were far from him. They were like unmarked graves. I've been in a lot of cemeteries through the years. I've stood at a lot of graves and I've seen a lot of markers and granite and marble and other materials used to mark them. In this particular time, it was a practice to actually whitewash graves to mark them so that when pilgrims would come in from out of town to Jerusalem for the various reasons that they would they would not step on those graves and thus become ceremonially unclean remember that was their entire focus they wanted to be ceremonially clean that was one of the reasons by the way they would wash before a meal because it just might have happened that on the way to that meal they might have accidentally bumped into a gentile and thus they needed to wash to be ceremonially clean. Maybe accidentally step on a grave on the way into town and become ceremonially unclean. And so they would mark them very uh, significantly with, with whitewash, for example. And Jesus said, you're like unmarked graves. People are around you and bump into you and they don't even realize that by associating with you, they are becoming unclean. Can you think of anything more insulting that he could have said? But yet he lovingly speaks the truth as a warning. And so we see in the New Testament as James chapter 1 verses 26 and 27, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction 
and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so we have this application for ourselves that a genuine faith will be borne out in the fruit that we show forth, that grace produces a real change, not just a behavior pattern. Grace does far more than enable us to perform and act like we know Jesus. Grace actually unites us to the Lord Jesus so that Christ living within us is what the world seeks. I don't know about you, but my desire is to know Christ, however imperfect that desire may be, that as I know him, that as I grow in the knowledge of him, I become more like him. And that's not play acting. That's a demonstration of the grace of God that is at work within us. And so may the Lord bless us to be the genuine article as we proclaim Christ to the world. May they see him in us and know that we are not just pretenders to the faith. Heavenly Father, grant us, O Lord, to know Christ, to love your Son, to be conformed to his image by the Holy Spirit that works within us. And Father, may we be the first to acknowledge our faults and failures rather than pride ourselves in our supposed performance. Help us, O Lord, to be like your Son as much as is possible with this sin nature living in a sinful world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. How do we come to him just as we are? Now, he doesn't leave us that way. He continues to work in us to make us more like himself. But how do we come? We come as we are, grateful that the Savior receives any and all who come to him. Let's stand together and sing just as I am.
That hymn brings back so many memories. I remember at uh, Carolina's Billy Graham crusade in 1996 as I was standing in front of the pulpit after Mr. Graham had preached and the invitation had been given. There was at one point, one of those evenings, standing in front of me, a man dressed in the nicest suit who came up and said he was a deacon in his church and needed to repent and trust in Christ. Right next to him was a man who looked like he'd come straight off the street. His hair was unkempt, he was dirty, his clothes were disheveled, and there they were. And they hugged each other. And I remember both calling each other brother as they had come to Christ. May the Lord bless us to know him. Sunday school, if you're going, if you have to go elsewhere, go with God's blessing either way. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen.